Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team it's tribe time now welcome to tribe talk on the cleveland indians radio network tribe talk is brought to you by progressive helping indians fans save hundreds on car insurance everyone welcome to tribe talk jim rosenhouse along with you this weekend from comerica park in detroit where the indians are beginning a new road swing they're taking on the tigers in a three-game series that started in dramatic fashion on the plus side for the indians on a jason kipnis ninth inning home run friday night the tribe beat the tigers more on that in just a little bit later on in our show we will hear from scott barnsby who's the indians director of amateur scouting he'll fill us in on the early picks that the Indians made in this year's first-year player draft. We'll get to know the newest tribe reliever who has settled down that bullpen a little bit, left-hander Oliver Perez. Also, Mark Budzinski, one of the new Indians coaches, will join us on the Coach's Corner segment. And former Browns offensive lineman, future Hall of Famer, Joe Thomas stopped by the booth this week and visited with Tom Hamilton during a game broadcast. We'll hear some of that interview. A lot of fun with a couple of Wisconsin guys and uh, certainly maybe two future Hall of Famers. Who knows? But uh, Joe Thomas with Tom Hamilton a little bit later on in our show. But first, our week in review. It was an off day Monday for the Tribe, and on Tuesday they welcomed the Milwaukee Brewers in interleague series for the Indians against the Brew Crew, and they started off on an upbeat note. The Tribe... Began the scoring in the second inning. Fresh off the disabled list, Lonnie Chisenhall was in his first at-bat. And wow, did he come through. No score, but the Indians have loaded them up with one out. Now the pitch. Swing and a line drive, base hit center field. Encarnacion scores. Alonzo scores. Gomes stops at second. How about that welcome back? Lonnie Chisenhall just stayed back on the ball and laced a two-run single to center, and the Indians have a 2-0 lead. And I think sometimes people can forget 
how good Lonnie Chisinau was last year until he got hurt. The Brewers scored a run in the top half of the third to make it 2-1, to one, but in the bottom half of the third inning, Jose Ramirez continued his remarkable season. Ramirez with a drive to deep right field. It is gone! Into the win, but a line drive homer to right by Jose Ramirez. And the Indians have a 3-1 to one lead, and Ramirez with his team-high 19th homer, his team-high 42nd RBI. Then it was Corey Kluber going back to work. Kluber into the motion and the 2-2. Strike three called, locked him up with a fastball. He looked curveball away, and Kluber came in on him. Seven strikeouts for Corey Kluber. Kluber went seven innings. He allowed just one run, and in the ninth, Cody Allen came on. He gave up a leadoff home run to Travis Shaw to make it a one-run game, but then he settled down, and Allen got locked in. Now the payoff pitch to VR. Strike three, called ball game. He locked them up with a fastball, and VR is out looking. And the Indians have won game one of this short two-game series as they knock off the Milwaukee Brewers by a final score of 3-2. to two. So a 3-2 to two victory for the Tribe, and the next day on Indians warm-up, Terry Francona talked to Tom Hamilton about his ace having another dominant season. Tito, Corey Kluber gets his ninth win. He's not had a start this year, 13 of them, where he's given up more than three runs. I thought maybe we had seen the best we'd ever see from Corey last year when he won his second Cy Young, but he's also never had a season where he started this well. That's Yeah, and again, I think his best is to come. I think it always feel that way. As he gets into the season, he seems to grow into more power. I think a lot of that's just because of his work ethic, but he's been so consistent just with what he's doing now. That, and I actually don't feel like he's really hot yet, which is unbelievable. But that's just what I, from knowing Corey, I think there's more to come. Wednesday, afternoon baseball against the Brew Crew. And Milwaukee grabbed the one nothing lead in the third inning on an RBI single from Travis Shaw. But in the fifth, the Indians jumped in front, beginning with a big hit from Michael Brantley. So it's 2-2 two and two on Brantley. Anderson's ready. Here comes his pitch. There goes Davis. The pitch is grounded slowly in the hole. It's short off the glove of Sogard. Davis refires. He heads home from third, and he'll score the tying run. Lindor to third. Brantley aboard. And the Indians have tied this game at one and give a big assist to the speed of Rajay Davis. Next up, Jose Ramirez. Here's the 1-1. Swung on, line drive, base hit down the right field line. That'll score Lindor. Motoring to third is Brantley, and he'll be held as into second goes Jose Ramirez, who delivers the go-ahead base hit. And the Indians lead it 2-1. to one. He is such an incredibly tough out right now. That time, a 95-mile-an-hour fastball that was at the knees, and he pulled it into the right field corner. The RBI double giving him 43 runs driven in, 19 doubles for Ramirez. Still in the fifth, bases loaded with yonder Alonzo at the plate. So now it's 3-1 and one on Alonzo. See what he gets here from Jeremy Jeffress. Here's his 3-1. 
down low, ball four. That'll force in a run as Michael Brandley comes down the line from third, and the Indians now lead it three to one on the bases loaded walk to Yonder Alonso. In the meantime, Carlos Carrasco was getting better as the game went on. The pitch, swing and a miss. He got Choi again, this time on a curveball. So Choi has the hat trick in strikeouts today, and Carrasco has 10 strikeouts in this game. And it's only his second double-digit strikeout game of the year. The other against Milwaukee, May 9th, when he struck out 14 in a complete game effort. He's on pace for more strikeouts against the Brewers today than he had in that game. And in the ninth inning, it was Cody Allen looking to finish up a four-out save. So Kratz has seen nothing but curveballs. Allen takes the sign, winds, fires. A swing and a miss. Ball game. Went right back to the hook and got him. So Cody Allen with a four-out save. Recording three strikeouts, and the Indians sweep this short two-game series and ends the shortest homestand in Indians history, a two-gamer. Thursday, an off day for the Tribe, then back out on the road. They open up a three-game series here in Detroit on Friday night against the Tigers. Trevor Bauer against Michael Fulmer, great pitching matchup. Tigers got a run in the first with two doubles to start the game, but the Indians tied things up in the fourth with a runner on for Yonder Alonso. Here's the 2-0 pitch. Swung on, and there's a drive to the alley in right center. That'll get down for a base hit and roll all the way to the wall. Chugging for third, being waved around is Encarnacion. He will score. Alonso made the turn at second, headed for third, and he's going to be tagged out as he put the brakes on, and Candelario ends up tagging him out as Alonso looked like he was thinking triple. And then got halfway to third and realized, I'm going to be out by a mile. That would be it for offense in this one, as Michael Fulmer was on his game, and the same went for Bauer. Bottom of the eighth inning game, deadlocked at one, and he's got to face Cabrera, Candelario, and Martinez for the fourth time. Cabrera two for three, a couple of singles. Righty-righty encounter. Bauer delivering. Cabrera driving one high and fairly deep to left, but playable. And Brantley pulls it down. Tigers have seen all they want to see of Trevor Bauer. So far this year, Trevor Bauer's made three starts against Detroit, including tonight. He's given up three runs in those three starts, covering 22 innings. In those 22 innings, he has struck out 29 and has walked three. You can't be any more dominant. In the ninth, the Indians got the big hit they were looking for all night long. Two men on, Jason Kipnis at the plate. Shane Green, glove hand just above his left knee, bent over. Now he comes set, and he lets it fly. Kipnis with a high drive, deep right center. Castellanos is back, looking up. It is gone! A three-run home run to right center for Jason Kipnis. Talk about a big hit. And the Indians have a four to one lead in the ninth. And all four runs coming on two out hits tonight. And arguably the biggest hit of the season for Jason Kipnis.
Oh, did he unload to right center? And Kipnis with his fourth home run, now 25 RBIs. And the Indians with a 4-1 to lead and a mobbing in the first base dugout. And once again, it was Cody Allen closing the door. So the Tigers are down to their last strike. Cody Allen's ready. He sets, he fires. A swing and a miss. Ball game. He got John Hicks to chase a curveball in the other batter's box. So Cody Allen walked the first batter and then got the next three Tigers. And the Indians start this seven-game road trip with another win over the Tigers. The Indians are 6-2 and two against Detroit, and they win it tonight by a final score of 4-1. to one. So a pretty good week for the Tribe as they won the three games they played. A couple of off days in there, too. And uh, they are on their way here on this road swing of seven games, three here in Detroit, and then four in Chicago against the White Sox early next week. Stay tuned. When we return, we'll hear from the newest Cleveland Indian, Oliver Perez. That's next on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Progressive presents Get Pumped, inspiration to help you do insurance stuff. Hey, get your head in the game. This ain't no exhibition match. This is for real. You've got a house to insure, and there are no excuses because Progressive's Home Quote Explorer makes it easier than ever to get the coverage you need. Here's some music to get you pumped. Don't chugga 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 meow meow meow. Don't chugga 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 feel that confidence. Don't chugga chugga chugga. Did I say stop saving money? No. Don't chugga 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 meow meow meow. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend from Comerica Park in Detroit where the Indians are taking on the Tigers. New to the Indians bullpen is Oliver Perez who joined the Tribe last weekend in Minneapolis. He's 36 years old. He's been around a long time, a starter with the Pirates and the Mets and some other teams too. Went to spring training with the Cincinnati Reds but got cut loose at the end of the spring and was pitching AAA baseball for the New York Yankees until late May. That's when he took it out in his contract, asked for his release, and the Indians signed him right away. And he has been solid in the bullpen for the Indians, pitching in tight spots. And when we had a chance to visit with Oliver Perez on Friday, he talked about getting those meaningful innings and how important that can be to a pitcher joining a new ball club. Yeah, I think the more important is trying to get relaxed and probably contribute with the team because normally that's the goal we got. You know? We got a our goal is is win games and make it up to the playoffs. And uh, the the more you get relaxed and and be part of the team, you you can be more successful. Are you surprised that that you've been in the spots that you've been in so far, key spots in in games? Uh, I've been in that situation before, but normally when you're in a new team, it's more like, it's kind of like more excited because you know the new new friend, new teammates, and and new opportunity, you know, because you know that's that's my my, my mind, you know, trying to go to the World Series and get a ring. How much did you know about the Indians, the coaching staff, manager Terry Francona, and some of the players? Yeah, I know a couple guys, and uh, Willie, he used to be my pitching coach in, uh, in Seattle, and, and normally all my career I'm playing National League. I think the last time I played American League, that was with Houston and uh, Seattle. So that's kind of like new division for me, but it's still the same. It's still the, the baseball is the same. And uh, where normally I had to face the DH, and nationally, you face probably a pinch hitter for a pitcher, and that's the only difference. But, you know, baseball is the same, and I think 
Uh, I'm very excited. Oliver Perez joining us, uh, new to the ball club, lefty out of the pen, who's done some real nice work so far. You begin the season, you go to spring training with the Reds. Out in Goodyear, you end up with the Yankees AAA ball club. What was that like for you at this stage of your career with so much major league experience to have to do that to try and get back to the major leagues? Oh, normally, well, everybody know what happened in the offseason and during spring training, guys. I don't sign early. That wasn't my case. And uh, I signed with Cincinnati and spring training with minor league deal. And I was, uh, I think I was, I was really feeling, feeling really good. But, you know, they, 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 uh, they take the decision, like, uh, I don't want to make the team. And they let me go. And, and I just wait till something happened. The Yankees called me for minor league deal again. And, and I was excited, you know, because, um, you know, when, when you know you, you still can pitch in the big leagues, you just have to uh, keep working, keep working, and just wait for your chance. And and uh, I spent two months and uh, we Scranton and Yankees, and I just want to uh, thank all Cashman and all the Yankee organization for the opportunity they give me to to try to be part of the team. But you know that they they made a decision that they let me go, and and the Indians they signed me right away. And I know in certain cases, pitchers, players have outs in their contracts if they're in the minor leagues. It sounds simple. Just take the out and you'll get another job. But is there some apprehension there when, when you're let go and, and you're out there without a team for a, even a little bit? Oh, normally you you, wanna, you you have to feel nervous because you don't know what's going to happen after you take you out because maybe one team want to wanna give you opportunity or, or maybe not. That's why you kind of like flip your coin and you see what can happen after the decision you you and your age are going to make because uh, that's not easy, even for me because I'm 36 years old and, and I've probably – you think my, my, be, my career might be over. So, you know, the Indians give me the opportunity. And I will do all the best to help the team end again. And if you find them again, I'm going to support my teammates. The Indians' pen has had some ups and downs this season for sure. Since you've been here, the the bullpen has performed well. And, and what do you see out there, new to the club, a, a kind of a fresh set of eyes out there in terms of potential? Well, you, you can you know, you know can see even for the, the last couple of years, this team be always in the in the race and they made the playoff and you know it, we are, we have to understand it's a long season it's 162 games this uh, guy is going to have up and downs even off offensive uh, defense uh, starters uh, relievers you know this is a long season I think the more important we just have to keep be together and just enjoy the ride because you know it's, it's very exciting to be here every day trying to compete to win it and, and maybe have a chance to make the playoff. Oliver, thank you for the time. Appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's the Indians' newest reliever, Oliver Perez, who has been a nice shot in the arm for the bullpen in the past week or so. Stay tuned. When we come back, we'll hear from Scott Barnsby. He's the Indians' director of amateur scouting. The first-year player draft was held earlier this week, and he'll fill us in on some of the early picks for the Tribe when we return after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Time to hop back on the bandwagon, folks. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Comerica Park in Detroit. It is Tribe Talk as the Indians are taking on the Tigers this weekend here in the Motor City. Scott Barnsby is the Indians' director of amateur scouting. He's been with the organization for 19 years. This, though, his first as the man who runs the first-year player draft, and that is the lifeblood for this franchise. 
you look at the players who the Indians have drafted and developed and the likes of Francisco Lindor at the top of that list, Cody Allen, who was a late-round pick, just to name two of uh, those who have been drafted and now are a big part of the Indians' success. And uh, they were looking for more success this year. Four picks in the first 67 in this year's draft. And uh, when Scott joined us, he talked about the four picks that the Indians made and uh, what they could bring to the table down the road. It was an exciting night for us, obviously with four picks. We were looking forward to it coming in. I think the one thing that we talked to the staff about ahead of time was just how prepared we were. Uh, it felt good going into it that we had done so more, much work, and obviously that's thanks to every one of our area scouts and our cross-checkers, and uh, they've done an incredible job so far. We're really excited about the four guys that we took and uh, obviously ready for tomorrow as well. Uh, so the four guys that we selected was Noah Naylor. He's a left-handed hitting catcher, uh, St. Joan of Arc High School in Canada, member of the Canadian national team. We're excited about Noah's bat. Uh, he can really hit, controls the strike zone, really good hand-eye, can drive the ball to all fields. Uh, there's power there. Defensively, uh, stay behind the plate catcher, arm strength, and he is actually athletic enough uh, to move around the field and have some defensive versatility as well. Uh, Mike Kanan is the signing scout for Noah. We're pretty uh, – Pretty excited about the work that Mike has done to put us in the position to take Noah. Um, knew him incredibly well. Developed a relationship with Noah and the family. Uh, so very excited to have Noah. Next pick was Ethan Hankins, 6'6", high school right-hander from Forsyth Central. Ethan is an impressive young man. Uh, he, We've spent a lot of time on him over the last few years. Uh, Team USA, he's been up to 97, life to the fastball. Uh, two different breaking balls, both of them. Uh, he can spin both of them. He's got an advanced feel for his changeup, and he throws a lot of strikes. Uh, Ethan's a good athlete, uh, really impressive kid. C.T. Bradford is our scout in Georgia. And C.T., once again, I could say this about every one of our scouts, but it's so true. Uh, C.T. did an incredible job getting to know Ethan and the family. And uh, really excited to add Ethan to the organization as well. So our next selection was Lenny Torres, athletic right-hander from Beacon High School in New York. Uh, once again, an impressive kid. We saw him uh, several times last summer with Tournament of Stars, uh, Team USA, the 40-man trials. And Lenny's been up to 96, life to the fastball. It's a really quick arm. Uh, his slider's really progressed. We feel like he's got a chance to have a solid average to plus slider. Developing feel for the changeup. Uh, throw strikes, uh, looking to develop him as a starter as well. And uh, Mike Kanan, once again, is the area scout for Lenny. And uh, we've spent a lot of time with Lenny, not only at some off-season uh, meetings, but we also spent a lot of time with Lenny and his family this spring uh, and feel really comfortable and excited about adding Lenny to the organization. Hey, Scott, with all three of these guys, I mean, with a lot of these high schoolers, they're committed to somewhere. But would you, when you take them this early, is there – pretty high confidence that signability is not an issue? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We're working through that, and our area scouts have done a great job building a relationship with them. Uh, we're confident that these guys want to go out and play. Uh, so Noah Naylor uh, had signed with Texas A&M, Ethan Hankins with Vanderbilt, and Lenny Torres with St. John's. So then our next selection, uh, Nick Sandlin, 
right-handed pitcher from Southern Miss. Uh, once again, pretty excited to get Nick. Uh, he is a unique right-hander in the fact that he throws from a little lower slot. Uh, he's been a reliever his career, and then this year he ended up uh, as a Friday night starter for Southern Miss and had an incredible year, 102 innings, uh, only allowed 55 hits, 18 walks, and 144 strikeouts. He's got the lowest ERA of any pitcher in the NCAA, uh, 106, and he's got the 10th best strikeout-to-walk ratio. Uh, as far as his stuff, he's 90-94 with life to the fastball, a slider that he can locate to both sides of the plate from his slot, and a feel for a changeup, and throws a lot of strikes. Uh, really impressive kid. And once again, another guy that all four guys were looking forward to getting them into the organization. Has Tito called yet and asked if he can come up to the bullpen? It's <laughs> a great question. <laughs> That's a great question. I think we're about to get that phone call tonight. <laughs> Do you look at him? I mean, when a guy is that unique and has the, the lower slot, I mean, he obviously was starting this year, but – do you think the future is in the bullpen, or do you think this is a guy you might try as a starter and see where it goes? So that's a great question. Yeah, he had a heavy workload this year, throwing 102 innings compared to what he did in the past. So we need to sit down with player development. Uh, I think, obviously, in terms of development, that would be up to player development. But I would say we would lean towards him being a bullpen arm for us. With the guys who, you know, Hankins have the shoulder issue, I think I saw, read somewhere Sandlin dealt with a little bit of a shoulder issue. I mean, would you, and he had the heavy workload, would you maybe limit their amount of work this year? I mean, would these, what would it look like going into the year with these guys workload-wise? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, obviously that would probably be one more for player development, but right. we, we recognize. So Nick missed one start this year. Uh, he came back, and then he ended, he's been typically a Friday starter. He came back the following weekend, threw on a Sunday, and ended up throwing close to 100 pitches. Uh, we've been at the majority of his outings. There hasn't been a drop-off in stuff, so we know that he's healthy. Uh, but obviously our most important thing is to protect these guys, make sure they're healthy, um, and develop them You know, the best we can and we're certainly going to monitor his workload moving forward that's scott barnsby the indians director of amateur scouting stay tuned more to come after this on the cleveland clinic indians radio network the starlight lounge presents an evening with the progressive box i wrote this next song for a gal from cheyenne she'd never have told her how progressive's collision insurance covers injured dogs and cats she said if they could love her pooch as much as she did then so could i well, I couldn't. This next song's called Cat Person. It was a rough, rough night in Wyoming. The cat was out of the bag. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Pet coverage not available in New Hampshire and North Carolina. Welcome back to Comerica Park in Detroit, our final segment of Tribe Talk this weekend for you as the Indians are taking on the Tigers here in the Motor City. One of the Indians' new coaches on this year's staff is Mark Budzinski. He works with Brian Sweeney, who handles a lot of the, the pitching advanced scouting, and uh, Bud handles a lot of the advanced scouting for the position players. He works on positioning the outfielders and a lot more as well. Last weekend in Minneapolis, 
He had a chance to fill in as the third base coach when Mike Sarbaugh was away from the team. And when we had a chance to visit with Mark Budzinski, we asked him if that brought back some good memories for him from the times when he was managing in the minor leagues and coached third base on a nightly basis. It did. It was a lot of fun being out there. Obviously, thankful to Tito and the staff for allowing me to, to have that opportunity. And uh, went one for one, though, so I didn't really get the job done. Needed to go 2-0, two, two, two and oh, but, uh, but enjoyed being out there for sure. You weren't nervous, were you, when you no. first, what, the first game? No, no, not really. I, I was out there, obviously, the last four years in the minor leagues and in spring training quite a bit <clears throat> this past spring training. So it's, uh, it's always fun being out on the field. And after having done it at the major league level, how big a difference is there in, just in the speed of the game that you notice? Yeah, I think the biggest difference is obviously when you're managing the minor leagues, you're making all the decisions. So if you want to put a bun on, you put a bun on. If you want to hit and run or whatever, you know, you're thinking about it a couple pitches ahead of time. Whereas the big league level, obviously, that's Tito's call. And so I'm looking in for, for a sign for him, for a potential sign between every pitch, just making sure I know those signs and then relay them to the players. When you look at, at your position here with the Indians, uh, you spent time as a minor league manager and, and working your way up the ladder. Uh, how has this fit in with maybe some career goals and things like that and allowed you to grow? Well, just number one, thankful the organization for the opportunity to, to get back into baseball back in uh, 2014 when that when that occurred and to continue to grow and learn every year, just get better and find ways to help uh, our, our players any way we can. So uh, continue to look forward to doing that. And in uh, this role is more, more as you mentioned earlier, more in the advanced reports things, putting some data together for, for Tito and our staff, and then working with the outfitters alongside Millsy and making sure they're prepared in-game positioning-wise as well as their prep work. So uh, it's been a lot of fun. And you mentioned getting back into the game in 2014. You were away from the game for a little bit, and it was the Indians who called, the team that drafted you, you played for for a long time in their minor league system. What did it mean to you to, to have them give you a call and get back in? Yeah, I was honored, number one, thankful. Uh, so many adjectives. Uh, so my last year playing was 05. I was out of the game basically from 06 to 2013, and the longer I was away, the more that I missed it. And, and at that time, Ross Atkins was our, in our organization in the front office, and he and I had remained in touch. And he mentioned there was an opportunity to, to manage, and uh, you know we obviously had some conversations with with him and, and uh, front office and, and Tito, and and was fortunate enough to uh, to, to get hired to, to come work for the organization that I love, and a lot of people that I, you know, was around uh, as a player were, are still in the organization, in the front office standpoint, and it's good to see them, and and work alongside them to do everything we can to, to help our team win baseball games. Mark Budzinski joining us, Indians coach. You're drafted by the Indians in the 21st round, and we see the draft just completed on Wednesday. When you look at that, and you, you see it on the MLB Network, the, the top picks are there. But there are so many other players that get drafted and go on to, to big things and have great careers in the game, uh, yourself included now at, at the major league level. A 21st round draft pick, what was draft night like for you when you were drafted? Yeah, I was honestly not sure if I was getting drafted or not, obviously that late. Back in those days, there were 50 or 60 rounds, so you were always hopeful. But, uh, but I, can, I can recall, you know, having some conversation with some scouts but prior to the draft and some possibilities. But really, the, my opportunity arose because of Sean Casey, one guy that I played with at the University of Richmond who, had, who brought a lot of scouts around. And we had a pitcher by the name of Bobby St. Pierre, who was a seventh-round pick that year. So those guys had a lot of people around that gave me that opportunity. Otherwise, I don't know that I would have had it. But, you know, we, we were sitting around hopeful to get a call. I was with my parents and some friends at the house. And I remember sitting on our, on our back porch and, was, was fortunate to get, get the call and excited to, uh, to continue my career. Otherwise, I was a senior, and that was it. I was, I was going to be looking for work somewhere. So just very thankful for, the, for Casey McKeon, the scout that, that signed me, and, and, and actually Sean Casey and Ross Atkins as well. 
and uh, that they give me the opportunity to, to play pro ball, pro ball and learn what it's like every day. You mentioned Sean Casey, and I know you guys were, were very good friends and, and still stay in touch. You seem different on, on the outside, just looking at it from a distance, you seem so different. But uh, what makes it click? What, what made you guys good friends? He has a way better personality than me, obviously. <laughs> but I think we both had, had a passion for the game, and, and we enjoy being around people. And, uh, you know, I think we've learned a lot from each other. And, and he's just a special person, you know. He's a guy that everybody wants to be around. He's a great family man and uh, Christian and, and so many other things that, that, you know, that I learned from him and, and continue to learn and grow from him. And uh, just thankful for our relationships and our family's relationships. Our kids now know each other, text each other. So that, that brings a full circle. It's real cool. All right, bud. Thanks a lot for the time. Appreciate it. Thank you, Rosie. That's Mark Budzinski, one of the Indians' new coaches on this year's staff. Now we conclude this week's show with an entertaining uh, interview that Tom Hamilton did with Joe Thomas during the course of Tuesday night's game at the ballpark. The future Hall of Famer, the great offensive lineman over 11 seasons with the Cleveland Browns, was at Joe Thomas night at the ballpark. The Indians invited him down and, and honored him in this his uh, first summer of retirement. He threw out a first pitch, took some batting practice, and stopped by the radio booth for a little while to talk shop. Now we're going to class up the joint, get a fellow cheesehead here with us. We are pleased to be joined here by the future Hall of Fame offensive tackle of the Cleveland Browns, Joe Thomas. I'm the only guy in this booth that knows where Brookfield is. <laughs> Great to have you here, Joe. Hey, thanks for having me on. First off, what an incredible career, both at the University of Wisconsin and then obviously here with the Cleveland Browns. You feel this kind of a night? Are you starting to think, you know what, I can go another year? <laughs> it does kind of feel like one of those October nights here tonight. <laughs> uh, but, no, I, I go out to practice a little bit right now and uh, watch those young guns run around, and I think to myself, ain't no way I could still do it. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Thomas, who, as you folks all know by now, has retired. And, Joe, at the end of the day, not many people get to leave any sport on their own terms. Was that important to you? I don't know if it was something that came into the uh, equation when I was considering retirement, but now that I have stepped away, I feel very fortunate to be able to do it on my own terms. It wasn't because I was cut or uh, there wasn't a severe injury that definitely mm -hmm. kept me out of the game. Uh, obviously, the wear and tear had kind of built up, but to be able to still kind of walk away on your own two feet is a good feeling, and I, I feel really comfortable about the way I stepped away from the game. Well, there's so many things we could ask you, but I, I just think it's so refreshing in this day and age where a guy plays his entire career with one organization, and even though you didn't win a lot, you never said, I want to get out of here and go play for a winner. Why was it? Oh, that's always a hard question when people ask me that, but I grew up in the era of, uh, you know, guy gets drafted to a team and stays there, and he's loyal to that franchise, and He's going to do whatever he can to try to win where he kind of got his his teeth started getting him cut. And uh, for me, that was in Cleveland getting drafted here. I love the city right away. I fell in love with the organization. And it kind of was my goal in life to be able to mm -hmm. turn the franchise around. And so I never really thought about going anywhere else. I was never a fan of, like, the all-star team or what you kind of see today, a little bit of guys that uh, – form those super teams especially you see it a lot in basketball but um, I was happy to, to spend my whole career in Cleveland and you know we never were able to turn it around 
but I think I, I hope we built the right foundation for mm -hmm. the future. Well, the key word there that you said right off the bat, loyalty. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously something that was taught from mom and dad, I'm guessing. Yeah, I think when it comes down to it, uh, loyalty was always something that was important to me. It's something that I look for in my friends and my family. And uh, it was important to me to be loyal to the franchise and to be loyal to the team that took a chance on me in the draft. And uh, that was a big, big part of me really wanting to stay and be part of the turnaround in Cleveland. Well, because I have friends that are still in Wisconsin and coached and are ADs in the Milwaukee area. People here don't know you were a heck of a basketball player. <laughs> I, I've gotten that firsthand from guys that, that had to coach against you. Yeah, I, I love basketball. It was always my first love. I was 6'7", 220 pounds when I was uh, a freshman in high school. So wow. I thought I was going to keep growing. <laughs> I was going to be 6'10 and go play basketball in college. But I stopped growing up and started growing out and uh, figured <laughs> it, it might be good to be a football player. I, I know we're in Ohio, but since I'm from Wisconsin, why have the Badgers turned out so many, and I mean many, great offensive linemen? Well, I think it's twofold. I think, one, the state builds a lot of great linemen. When you're drinking beer and eating <laughs> cheese as a kid and uh, high-calorie, high-fat diets from a kid, you're, you're a big person. And uh, you combine having a lot of big people in the state with some fantastic coaching, a pro-style offense that Barry Alvarez and now Paul Christ have uh, shepherded through that's what you need to be able to create nfl offensive linemen you've got the talent and then you've got the development and you've got a magic recipe to develop nfl linemen well i know you're here to enjoy the night we, we appreciate you giving us a half inning like you did here and, and joe thanks for all the great years and and the great memories it it's really been fun having you a part of this city and you made this place better well hey i appreciate uh, you having me on and I've always loved my time in Cleveland, and it's fun to kind of enjoy a baseball game here and, and get out with the family and cheer the Indians on. Thank you, Joe. Thanks a lot. Man, that was a lot of fun. Joe Thomas with Tom Hamilton, a couple of guys who uh, could be headed for their respective Hall of Fames, you would think, at some point in time down the road. Well, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Tribe Talk. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll join you next week when the team is back home at Progressive Field They'll be taking on the Minnesota Twins next weekend, so we hope to see you around at the ballpark next weekend as we get into these summer months. The game's gaining more meaning. The Indians playing some good baseball, too. So we hope to see you at the ballpark next weekend, and that's where we will have Tribe Talk. Until then, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. So long, everybody. Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network has been brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution. 
that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.